Hello everyone and welcome to Thoughts on Being Human. I'm Haley and this week I unpack anxiety. I explore some tools to help us manage it and explain why embracing uncertainty is the ultimate way to reduce it. So relax those shoulders, take a deep breath, and let's get into it. Even prior to the pandemic, I was someone who experienced anxiety on a daily basis. My worries and fears were persistent and affected my ability to relax. I would wake up sometimes with a general feeling of unease, or suddenly at some point throughout the day, I would get this feeling of dread, that there's something I should be doing and if I didn't do it, then there would be stressful consequences. It was mentally and physically exhausting, not only draining my energy, but interfering with my sleep and wearing my body out. Then the pandemic hits, and I may not have realized it initially, but as weeks turned into months and months into a year, my anxiety levels definitely increased. There was more to worry about, and I found my anxious thoughts kept running through my head on endless repeat. And I'm not the only one. We've seen a significant rise in levels of not only anxiety since March 2020, but also stress and depression. For those of us that had symptoms prior to COVID, they're now being exasperated, even among those with relatively stable conditions. So one thing has become clear, the negative health effects of the coronavirus are serious and will be long lasting. I definitely see an increase in anxiety and stress in majority of my clients. So I wanted to dial in on some ways we can help to manage and eventually reduce our anxiety. But before we get into that, I want to break down the words stress and anxiety. Worries, doubts, and fears are a normal part of being human. It's natural to be anxious about an upcoming presentation or test. It's normal to worry about your finances after being hit by an unexpected expense. But when this worry becomes excessive, intrusive, persistent, and disruptive, then it will affect your health and well-being. Here's a good example. Lying in bed at night, you start thinking about terrible things happening to loved ones, in detail, to the point where it upsets you, but you can't stop thinking about it. This is an intrusive thought, something that makes you anxious. You try to avoid thinking about it, but you can't. Another example is when someone's late and you haven't heard from them. So you start thinking that something bad must have happened to them. They got in an accident and are seriously injured or dead. Your mind goes to worst case scenario situations. I can remember a particularly vivid memory of extreme anxiousness. I was at the airport in Toronto waiting to fly back home to Vancouver. I was quite early and had several hours before my flight, so I was texting Jamie. After an hour, he hadn't responded, so I tried calling and it went straight to voicemail. After another hour, still nothing. At this point, I started to feel incredibly anxious. My breathing became quick and I couldn't stop thinking that Jamie had died. In the pit of my stomach, I had a strong feeling of dread that something horrible had happened and he wasn't okay. After three hours, he finally called me back and I was crying when I answered because I 100% believed that he was dead. This is a perfect example of uncontrollable worry that is persistent and caused me disruptive physiological symptoms. Now, anxiety definitely falls on a scale. 
There are times that it's worse and you may experience an anxiety attack and other times where it's manageable and not causing you any dis-ease. I didn't really acknowledge my anxiety until I was in my late 20s, but I can distinctly remember episodes when I was younger where my anxiety affected my sense of well-being. When I was 16, I had my first anxiety attack. I was out for a walk with my boyfriend discussing our future. I suddenly was overcome with this wave of apprehension and dread that something bad was going to happen. I started crying uncontrollably and hyperventilating. I was struggling to breathe, which then sent me into more panic. I tried to stop, but I literally couldn't. It felt like it lasted a long time, but eventually I was able to slow my breathing and catch my breath. My racing heart slowed and I could begin to move areas of my body that had felt paralyzed. It was pretty scary and I never told my parents. Since then, I've been lucky that the attacks did not become a regular occurrence and have only experienced a few more, all during periods of intense stress. So as I said before, anxiety is a spectrum from mild unease to full-blown panic. No matter where you are on this scale, anxiety is what drives our addictive behaviors and bad habits that we use to cope whenever it's, whether it's stress eating, doom scrolling, nail biting, the overconsumption of alcohol, or the compulsive use of social media. We all develop these coping mechanisms when we feel anxious. I want to make sure we're aware of the healthy ways to deal with our anxiety so that the next time you reach for a glass of wine to unwind or your phone to scroll mindlessly after a stressful day, you can choose to do something that will actually help, not just numb. So the first important note I want to make is that you cannot think your way out of anxiety. Telling yourself that you don't need to feel nervous about going to work or that there's nothing to be anxious about right now will not calm you down. When you berate yourself into believing you should be feeling a different way, your anxiety level actually heightens as you add to the feelings of inadequacy. When we use words like should, need to, or have to, we're piling onto our own anxiety, not helping to bring it down. Here are some examples. You start to feel anxious on Sunday for no particular reason that you can detect. You try to rationalize and tell yourself, well, I don't have any plans today. Nothing's, there's nothing stressful happening that should trigger this. I don't need to feel this way. There's nothing to be anxious about. I should just relax and enjoy my day off. As soon as we try to get rid of the anxiousness by talking our way out of it, it not only doesn't work, but it can actually cause the original feelings to worsen. Here's another example. You have a big presentation for work tomorrow and you're feeling pressure to do well, along with some fear that it's not received with praise, but instead negative feedback. So you're lying in bed trying to fall asleep, saying to yourself, I need to calm down and have a good sleep so that I can perform my best tomorrow. Stop worrying. Everything will be fine. There's really nothing to be anxious about. It's not like you'll get fired if it isn't amazing. By pushing your original feelings down to try and get rid of them to bring a sense of calmness, we're actually just adding more layers to the anxiety onion. Anxiety comes from within us. It's a part of us that is valid, and we need to be okay with acknowledging our anxious feelings. It comes from what's happened to us in the past and the memories we hold on to. We can't simply run away from these things. They are there to ultimately protect us. So not only should we acknowledge our anxiety, but we need to extend gratitude towards it. 
This is the first step to show self-compassion and love for your whole being, not just the parts you like. What exactly does this look like? Well, the next time you start to feel that way, that dreadful apprehension or nervousness, instead of trying to shift away from it, say, I hear you and see you, and identify how you're feeling. I feel scared. I feel restless. I feel an impending sense of doom. I feel out of control. Say thank you for trying to protect me and take care of me. Thank you for always preventing me from getting hurt. Express gratitude towards the feeling. Bring your attention out of your head and into your body. Get curious about how your body is reacting. Become interested in what is happening. Is your jaw tense? Are your shoulders at your ears? Is your breathing shallow? Is there a pit in your stomach? Is your face flush? Are you fidgeting? Irish novelist and poet James Stephen wrote, Curiosity will conquer fear even more than bravery will. How is this possible? How can curiosity possibly be stronger than bravery? Let me try to explain. When you're feeling stressed or anxious, do you hold tension in your shoulders or jaw? If you're someone who holds stress in your shoulders and back, you can actually trigger yourself to feel anxious or stressed by tightening your shoulders. Your physiological state triggers an emotional state. So by bringing curiosity into your body when you're anxious, you can release these tense areas and invite softness into where you're holding. This will ultimately release the anxiousness because as I said before, they're linked. So when you're focusing on why you're anxious or start worrying about how long it will last or what you can do about it, all these thoughts will actually cause you to tighten up into a little ball of anxiety. Instead of focusing on the why, focus on the what. Focus on what the anxiety feels like right in that moment. Get curious and interested what it feels like. Is it more the front part or the back part of your body? Do you feel hot or cold? What are the physical sensations? Is it more on the left side or the right side of the body? This won't make your anxiety magically disappear, but curiosity and awareness are really helpful to get your bodies to unwind instead of winding up even more. Clinical studies have shown that this kind of mindfulness can reduce anxiety by 57 to 63% even in people with generalized anxiety disorder. So let me repeat this. The next time you feel anxious or stressed, acknowledge the feeling, thank the feeling, and dive into a curious exploration of what it feels like. Start small. If you're triggered by something you read or saw that's scary, take a moment to stop. Get curious about your body's reaction. See if through awareness you can prevent yourself from winding or tightening up even more. I know it may be difficult because it's something new, but trust the process and as you're bringing attention to your body, that voice in your head that's telling you that you have no need to feel anxious, that you shouldn't be feeling this way, will naturally quiet down. We can so easily get stuck in anxiety habit loops that I wanted to give everyone a tool that can help us, even if only momentarily, break free from the loop. Anxiety and worry feed on each other. It turns out when we feel anxious, it triggers worrying. This gives us a feeling like we're in control, like we're doing something to problem solve the situation. 
So essentially worrying helps us avoid the feeling of anxiety because we feel like we're in control. This brings us to the reason why this pandemic has triggered such high levels of anxiety in everyone. The fear and uncertainty of the last 15 months has activated our brain's survival system of worry and anxiety as a way to try and help us. But as I said before, these two feed each other, getting us stuck in a never-ending loop. Through worrying, we give ourselves the illusion of control. But the reality is, since the pandemic hit, we have not been in control. The solution to help ease our anxiousness lies not in trying to create a feeling of being in control, but in embracing the uncertainty. In this life, there's only one thing that is certain, and that is uncertainty itself. So why as humans do we struggle with it so much? Certainty is very comfortable and demands little of us, while uncertainty is uncomfortable, challenging, and scary. But in clinging to certainty, we not only stifle our potential, but we shrink opportunity and prevent ourselves from realizing just how much we're capable of. We like to feel like we're masters of our own ship, in control of our fate. So when our future becomes unknown, of course this can make us anxious. And this is exactly what happened to us when the pandemic hit, and honestly is still happening now. I used to have a clear vision of exactly how the next month and even year would look, but now it's totally unclear. I don't know what things will look like in the fall, let alone next summer. And this makes me not only anxious, but sad. It causes me to worry and be fearful. It affects my sleep at night and my ability to relax during the day. It causes my psoriasis to flare up and my temper to shorten. But what I'm slowly and resistantly learning is that the key to relieving all of this stress is to embrace this unknowing, to get comfortable with what scares me, and to give uncertainty a big hug. Some of the most beautiful chapters of our lives won't have a title until after they're written. There lies great excitement and potential in uncertainty. It's where opportunities are created, where our creative spark lies. We need to trust that no matter what life throws our way, that we can not only handle it, but know that one day it will all make sense. As Eckhart Tolle says, when you become comfortable with uncertainty, infinite possibilities open up in your life. Do not fear this uncertainty. You have all the life skills to navigate through it, even though we doubt our ability to. If someone would have told me back in March 2020 that we would still be in this pandemic, under travel restrictions, unable to hug everyone, still dealing with COVID, I wouldn't have believed that I could have gotten through it. But I did, and I'm okay. Yes, I get anxious and like to be in control, but slowly, ever so slowly, I'm learning to find comfort in uncertainty, to embrace my worries, to be grateful for my anxiousness, and to step forward with curiosity. The future is open, not empty. Thank you so much for listening. This topic is one that I think we can all relate to, so I hope you took some helpful information away with you. Sending love to all of you, especially those that are experiencing debilitating levels of anxiety. If you have any questions or just want to talk, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm Haley, and those are my thoughts on being an anxious human.